Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of 100% Art with IBA. Today with us we have Vashnavi Pandi. Could you please introduce yourself? Well done by the way. Um, my name is Vashnavi Pandey. I'm originally from India, from Mumbai. I moved to London five years ago. Oh, I can't. Mm -hmm. um, five years ago, I am a photographer, writer, creative, mm -hmm. etc. Okay. Where did you move to London? Was it to study? Yeah, I moved to London to study. So I did my bachelor's um, from 2017, and then I did my master's, and now I'm... Um, chilling <laughs> no you're not just chilling i'm not just chilling. i know you have your own magazine as well got my own magazine yeah currently you know okay on hold but we had uh me and my friend jody mm -hmm. we started running this magazine in 2018 so we were doing that for the longest time um kind of fizzled out because of covid yeah and you know people getting real jobs mm -hmm. and all that mm -hmm. stuff um but yeah, I actually work as a freelancer for other magazines. So I'm okay. a music journalist and photographer nice. for Noctis magazine, and I'm hoping to write more. Nice. And like write for more people. Okay. And so yeah. All right. So because I remember, you know, when we first met, you were doing your masters in photojournalism. Yeah. Um, and I remember we had an exhibition, and you know, you were one of the artists. Could you tell us a little bit about that project? And I'm asking because. You know, and today we decided to talk about heritage and culture and um, your project that we, you know, that you presented at the exhibition um, had a lot to do with that as well. So could you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, sure. Um, so the project initially was going to be based in India, in Mumbai. I'm just going to throw my phone away. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um so yeah, originally the project was was supposed to be in in India. I was hoping to produce a body of work back home because I hadn't done it in so long. Okay. Actually, I hadn't done it like ever. Okay. You know, like I'd been a photographer for a while, but I never really had that thing of, you know, I, I didn't quite find the, oh shit, I want to be a photographer yeah. until I did the master's. And so I'd been away for three, well, well, two years, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I was quite keen to do that, but because of COVID and, you know, risk assessments, it was not very encouraged for me to go home yeah. and do that. And so I guess me and my dad, my dad, who's like kind of like my creative, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, pillar of support. He, you know, we try to, I guess we were trying to brainstorm of how I can make something valuable mm -hmm. about home, but while being in London. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's how we started talking about, uh, I went, I did this voluntary thing in South Hall. Yes. So it's called Imagining India, South Hall, Ever, Ever After. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a small kind of community festival that was curated by a few research professors from UAL, actually. Oh. And, um, and some photographers based in, like, kind of of Indian origin, but, like, based in South Hall. Okay. So it was, like, this amazing... Um, you know, kind of like workshop type of thing. And I was lucky enough to be a part of it. And just to kind of get a sense of like what it was like, like representing or what it is like representing two cultures. Because mm -hmm. I kind of found myself in that mm -hmm. place, mm -hmm. even though I'm like 100% Indian, <laughs> not British. I know I sound it, I'm not <laughs> British. And like, you know, yeah, like 18 years of my like proper Indian. Like, yeah, I know I don't sound it, but you know, yeah. I like fool you. Um, and like one of the most interesting things about that workshop was that they had something called roots to roots. So R U mm -hmm. R O U T T E S to roots, and it basically mapped all of these people's journeys that somehow found themselves in South Hall, okay. whether it was India or Pakistan or. So was it only for Indians? Um. Well, South Hall is predominantly like a South Asian community. Okay. I wouldn't limit it to just Indian. Okay. Because, you know, like there's the thing of before partition and after partition, mm -hmm. which is now Pakistan before it was in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't want to limit it to that. But yeah, basically for the community, because it was in their like community park. And it was so interesting how people got there mm -hmm. and how like some really mad stories about this guy took a train from there and then walked through Russia and then. Said, no, come on. I'm not even joking. I'll, I'll find that story and I'll bring it up. But yeah, some 
to get to London. To get to London. And then he found himself in Southall where people looked like him. And it was great. Like some mad like stories of how they traveled, but how they left and some really like heartbreaking stories of why they mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I, what I wanted to focus on. But it's really hard because Southall as a community has been saturated mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, it's like the South Asian capital of Europe. Yeah. Bada, 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 and this, that. And it was really hard to find a, like an original angle. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, fuck it. I, you know what? I don't, I'm, I can't do that. Um, and then I just started thinking about home. And so the idea came about of let me make something about Mumbai, about Bombay, about mm-hmm. my family, about where I'm from and about the things that I remember. Why was that important? Was it, do you think you did that because um, it was during the pandemic and you know you haven't been home in so long or it was something that you think is very important to do for you, for you personally and for the world to see? Um, yeah, I definitely think pandemic like played a factor because I was all alone in London for mm-hmm. two years. And I was I was fine. But, you know, like I always knew I could go home. But when that option's taken away from you, mm-hmm. it feels a bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I knew that I could always book a ticket and go home if I wanted yeah. to. I just chose not to because it's very expensive because yeah. I wanted to maximize my time here. But when that option's taken away from me, it's suddenly like, Oh shit, I, mm-hmm. I can't really go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was more of like, a, I was away for so long that I, I felt like I was missing on significant events back home, whether it was festivities or yeah. like my parents growing old or my yeah. grandparents passing away. Or, you know, I felt quite detached, I think. And I'm quite a nostalgic person in general. Mm-hmm. And I think the first few years when I was in London, I did everything in my power to be away from my culture Mm -hmm. and not associate myself with it. Mm -hmm. And I think from 2019 onwards, I kind of, I don't know, like started using my brain essentially (laughs) and realized that it's not good to do that. Uh, I understand that. And yeah, yeah, and realized how important it was for me to hold on to it as much as possible, but also just like celebrate it and find ways to be close to it, Mm -hmm. no matter what they are here. Mm You know, whether it's like some photographs in my house or yeah. ringing the bell because my mom is religious and she mm-hmm. wants me to do that, mm-hmm. you know, or putting some incense mm-hmm. on or whatever it is. And I suddenly felt very like connected. Yeah, I felt the urge to be like, I don't know why I've been ignoring this. This is my strength. This mm-hmm. is my identity. This is my culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to stop running away from it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and start owning it and start being proud of it man man really I, I understand that completely how, how how did art help you do that um i think with art well up oh god i don't know i feel like i'd never like i said before i never really made anything back home mm-hmm. i started noticing that as a as i started doing photography a bit more um a lot of my work was portraiture yeah and I started noticing how I was only photographing white people mm-hmm. and like European people. By the way, they're my friends and they're great. <laughs> like, I just want to put it out there. Mostly because I wasn't surrounded by like that many, uh-huh. you know, people from Mumbai, like maybe one or two, like mm-hmm. literally like one or two. And so it was, the more I started building my portfolio, I mean, these are beautiful people that I know, like, like inside and out, but they weren't representative of my culture or my background. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I clocked that kind of, you know, a year or two years ago. And it wasn't a conscious decision to be mm. diverse and know I need to take brown people's photos mm-hmm. because I think that's, I think that's foolish. Yeah. Like if it's coming like from a pretentious way, I think it's foolish mm-hmm. and I think it's pretentious. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the way to go, but I was, I was still not being able to, you know, like find my people mm-hmm. kind of and do that. And so, I think that's why one of my projects was, I guess, kind of my way of connecting with the community. Yeah. So, like, I didn't necessarily photograph, like, brown people, but I made something about being brown. I keep writing about being a brown girl. Mm -hmm. I keep writing about, you know, having brown skin. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think I'm very aware of adding those elements in my writing, even as a music journalist. Yeah. Or even as a photographer being, like, if that's what culture means to you, this mm-hmm. is what culture means to me. Mm-hmm. So I might photograph like a very beautiful, like British friend, 
but you know and if we'll talk about culture and if we'll talk about art I think I'm very conscious of like making that distinction of what that means to them and what that means to me okay okay um, and yeah and I think music as well is a really important thing I mean I'm not a musician or anything mm. I'm a big music junkie so when I came to London my biggest connect was music okay so in terms of art it was film and it was music because mm -hmm. even back home my I feel like my parents like prepared me mm -hmm. like and I didn't feel like I fit in back home because of my taste in music yeah and and film and theater mm -hmm. and all of these things and then suddenly I came to London and I was just like oh my god these are my people <laughs> yeah I was just like no one cares but also everyone cares mm -hmm. it was really nice and I found a bit of solace in the fact that I might not look the same as them yeah or talk the same as them but we have we love the same thing mm -hmm. within the realm of mm -hmm. art and I think that's sick mm -hmm. I think that's amazing because mm -hmm. because you know I, I relate to that so much um, I left home when I was 15 years old. I left, you know, I left to study abroad. I couldn't be home. I could never fit. I never found myself, you know, in that Middle Eastern community. I, I, I wouldn't say I hated, but I just did not relate to the culture. I could never, you know, understand those ideas. I'm like, why? You know, come on, let's move on with life, right? Yeah. Come on, let's not get stuck with those very old, outdated ideas. And, you know, I left home because I, I couldn't deal with it anymore. Um, and what, what I started to realize is that the, the older I grow, the more I start to relate to my culture more, which is so weird because for 10 years of my life, I always tried to the associate myself with with you know with, with the culture with with my heritage for from where I come from, but now I, I start to find myself okay like I'm, I'm I'm more you know I miss that more you know I miss I miss those things that I couldn't understand me before and now I can relate to them more and and you know relating that to art every time I used to you know see a Palestinian artist, you know, any Middle Eastern artist. Um, I, I used to like dislike their work. I'm like, come on, we've seen this so many times. I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen that. Come on, give me something new. And I think um, I, I, I saw it in that way because I couldn't connect to it a lot, you know? Okay, yeah, I've seen it, I want something new, but I never, you know, had the time to, um, to really sit down and actually try to understand what, you know, what the artist is trying is trying to show what the artist um even though i still until today i still think you know we we can do those narratives but in a in a more you know advanced way let's say you know okay let's talk about culture but okay but let's talk about you know 22 with 22 with with the fast-paced world that you know we're going towards okay remember that but let's bring a new way to it and i still stand by that but yeah, I, I can completely, completely under, understand, you know, um, your point on now, you know, it, it locked in my head, you know, now I know why, now, you know, I, I want to be a part of that. Absolutely. But I would disagree with you and mm. say that there's beauty in tradition. Yeah. And I think the beauty that um, Middle Eastern countries and South Asian countries have within their art and culture, mm -hmm. although it might be outdated and traditional, yeah. I think that's what makes it. That's what I'm trying to learn now. That's what, yeah, that's what makes it. And I don't blame you. I mean, I, I, I'm i sure that I've thought the same and said the same as well. But, mm -hmm. you know, I went back home a few weeks ago, as we know, mm -hmm. and I basically gay crashed my parents' holiday. It was, <laughs> it was great. And I wasn't in I wasn't in Mumbai for, you know, a long time. We mm -hmm. traveled to places that I've never been before, mm -hmm. up north in the mountains. And it's a different language. It's a different food. It's a different people. People look different there. Like, I felt like a tourist in, like, my own country mm -hmm. and I just you know I did the religious things that you know we went to we visited the Ganga River the Ganges as you white folks call it yeah um we you know we visited the Ganga River we saw the the prayers and the processions they do mm -hmm. um when they pray to God and mm -hmm. you know when they do all those things we went to temples we went to I did I did all of it we celebrated Diwali I celebrated a festival for the first time in five years mm -hmm. you know and I think when I was younger and when I was back home I'd be like yeah <laughs> you know my parents would never force it down my throat as well yeah. I think festivals is a big part of being and in, being an Indian and being or being South Asian and you know um like growing up it doesn't matter if you're religious you you'd love a dinner at Diwali mm. you love celebrating mm -hmm. holy 
you love the food like you know like whether you're whether you're religious or not it doesn't matter it's just a celebration yeah but I think when I went back home I've I found like a bit of a I found a bit of solace in tradition mm. and uh, I am a spiritual person and my parents are Hindu and you know I might not be a practicing Hindu but they always say like don't ever forget where you come from yeah and you know it doesn't matter if the world's moving on just you know your family your lineage your mm-hmm. your family tree like your forefathers they've mm-hmm. that's what they believed in and that's how far we've come yeah and obviously it's yeah. your decision to take as much as you want you mm-hmm. take, if you don't want to take all of it fair enough and i think that's really important like i mean i think i i also sin to like the highest order like i eat beef you know mm-hmm. sorry mom <laughs> sorry dad um uh-huh. you know like i've you know, just other things that I guess would be thoroughly found upon like traditional yeah. Hindu things. But I, I think I'm very appreciated, appreciative of the fact that my parents didn't like force those mm-hmm. type of mindsets, those unimportant, mm-hmm. like if you eat beef, you're like a sinner, mm-hmm. you know, which like I'm sure like there is, by the way, like please don't at me. Mm-hmm. But it's it was more of like to value the things, yeah. that, you know, like believe in a higher power and that things will be okay and that there is someone watching you and you have the blessings of your forefathers to mm-hmm. carry on and uh and i think that's really beautiful mm-hmm. i may not necessarily agree in the whole divorce is a crime or yeah yeah you know all that bullshit <laughs> basically but or that you have to f- you know marry within the cast of the but i think that that's the beauty of living abroad you know you get to pick and choose which you know which yeah, which parts you know that really resonates with you i think you absolutely take. i think having a bicultural identity like we do yeah. and i also think being in a non-native mm. space i think it's great i mean i because you get to find solace in the things that actually give you yeah peace and like actually make you feel close and connected without it being like shoved down your throat, mm-hmm. which I quite often think it, it does happen mm-hmm. in traditional and conservative mm-hmm. societies. But I I don't know. I think there's beauty in traditional art. And I still, like, people still make it. And it may, it may have been done a hundred times See, over. It's the thing. I'm not talking about traditional art, right? That that I love. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I love traditional art. Yeah. But I don't love, you know, like someone, okay, um let's say we're talking about um a palestinian issue mm. right someone will come and give me a picture of an uh, an olive tree i'm like come on you know I've s- give me something with that but add add more value to it mm. i've seen that trillion times but what what if that's the only thing they can get i don't think that's the only i i, I think you know they're they're so stuck with this just one idea of of looking at a culture that you know you can like in india do you know how many types of art uh, how many types that's what i'm talking like, about i have no idea there's so many exactly <laughs> it's immense. exactly and yeah. you know it's the old and the new and yeah. you can see you know these new artists talking about india talking about the, the struggles in india but in so many different ways you know D- don't get stuck in one in one idea and that there's only one way we're talking about art at the end of the day you know you're creating you know you're 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 expressing But often art is not as accessible as you think. Why? It's all here. I mean, for you and me, yeah. and for us, like, free spirits, yeah. actually. But I don't think art is that acce- um, accessible to everyone. Mm. I think that, yeah, it's a mindset, but I think there's also, like, a mental block, right? So mm-hmm. People don't feel like they can, you know, you may have a great idea in your head, but it may not necessarily come out in execution but do you try it at least yeah but oh jesus <laughs> that's why yeah, that happens oh my god um but i think that but sometimes there there, there just isn't enough um support mm-hmm. or accessibility mm-hmm. or a platform to but that's why we're doing this yeah what i mean palestine represent right <laughs> um, that's everything yeah is. but you know i think there's a very handful of people who are in position to do that and i think we often forget that mm. i think i used to always shit on india's facilities for you know photography and mm-hmm. things like that like oh like why don't film labs like mm-hmm. do that anymore and why can't they develop like my film and like blah, mm-hmm. blah blah and you know like i felt quite like i guess arrogant and quite um 
I don't know, just a bit like there's a word in Hindi uh, called deshdrohi. It means like you're like a traitor. Okay. <laughs> you know, but okay. I quite I quite felt like a mm. you know I'm shitting in my own country, like trying to be like an elitist because I'm in mm -hmm. this like Western country. Mm -hmm. But you know, it made me think about how it didn't stop all of those photographers to make fucking amazing work. See, like in 2020, I I discovered these pool of amazing, you know, South Asian and actually Indian photographers, and they would buy they would get film posted from london mm -hmm. and then posted back mm -hmm. and spend loads of money and they came from small villages and they didn't have you know like multiple degrees or they weren't like part of vogue or stuff yeah. like that but they did it and it's sick and it's amazing and that's what i'm talking about yeah but i think you know we live in 2022 anything you want yes you know it's it's there you can it? do it yeah it is for sure yeah I for mean, sure I definitely i definitely think it's also it's it's one's individual motivation right like mm -hmm. how far they're willing to kind of um go to access that yeah i don't think it's that accessible i do i do think that it's becoming better now because I like there's also a big wave of South Asian artists, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and not only yes. as photographers, but in in editorials as models. And, yes. You know, Vogue India has had this amazing like reformation mm -hmm. of ideas and representation. Of, finally. Finally. Not really Kim Kardashian on the cover. Yeah. Fans, yeah. You know, there's actually women that look like me mm -hmm. um, that are on there and they're talking about colorism and mm -hmm. stuff like that and like it only took about i don't know like a hundred years or something like, <laughs> but like do you know what i mean i know like it only took about this long but like it's not like we haven't had the access it's just like whether someone's willing to make that plunge because it's a hit or a miss mm -hmm. you're going against mm -hmm. like well now like 1.3 billion people and, but, and i think the world is missing so much for not knowing that right um, yeah I was thinking, I was walking the other day, I don't know what I was doing, I was walking, I was thinking, I went to university for four years, right? I got a degree in visual communication and art history. In four years, in every single art history class, I did not learn about anyone but white male European artists. In four years, and I've took whatever class you could possibly think about, I took that class. Um, and. I was like, wow, like, wow. And I think I know about art. <laughs> I really don't know anything. Um, and now, you know, I, I, I decided to go to Taiwan and I'm like, I really want to go there to make, you know, to, to dive into that world and in, in their art, you know, and in, in their tradition with their art. And how did they start? I, I really want to learn that because even when I put on YouTube, I couldn't find, you know, that many information about it. Um, I, I, the biggest um, art history books, you will never read about um, the greatest Indian artists. You will never read about the greatest Middle Eastern artists. And I find that so sad. You know, even if, if you go back in the day, um, probably I think art started in India. And I'm like, why are we not talking about You're that? You're welcome, folks. <laughs> You're welcome. Really? And that, that drove me crazy, you know, when I, I started, you know, thinking about that. Yeah, that reminds me of like, um, I was a history student when I did, you know, my GCSEs and the whatever IB diploma, whatever you A-level folks call uh -huh. it, I don't know. Um, and I was like a history major. And I think one of the most interesting parts about that was like the people that control um, the narrative of history, what goes in the books, what actually makes it in what people learn generation after generation. And I think that obviously there is a there has been a massive disregard to mm -hmm. you know like accurately yeah describe historical yeah. accounts or represent historical accounts and you know i mean i'm not a historian but you know there's a lot of evidence of why things have actually started and like mm -hmm. what but because there's no evidence or source mm -hmm. in like a history book quite often it's disregarded yeah and, that, and that's what i mean by you know accessibility and access mm -hmm. like there's so there's so much to unpack yeah. in terms of like how we've got here and how mm -hmm. art has developed and things like that. But unfortunately, the people that control those narratives are not people that are you and me. True. I mean, obviously, now there is a change and we are seeing that slow movement, mm -hmm. you know, an appreciation of like black art history. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a big movement in that recently. And then hopefully like. I hope it continues. I hope it continues and it represents each country. But that's what I mean by when 
the you know the great powers of the world control the narrative mm -hmm. and they're often not a power that represents a minority mm -hmm. um i think that that limits even us to understand what we need to represent mm -hmm. so like you said when you were in palestine you often found art that only rep that represented your culture in like an olive branch yeah but why because it works because mm -hmm. it works in the rest of the world mm -hmm. and because And it works for the rest of the it world. It works for the rest of the world in order to understand what they mean. Mm -hmm. But it also works in a way where that's the only recognizable thing mm -hmm. that represents your culture. Yeah, but why don't we change that? You know? No, it definitely needs a change, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, there yeah. Are, like, a lot of Indian artists as well often, like, you know, um, try to reach out to this side of culture and about partition or about you know social issues about being a woman or you know stuff like that mm -hmm. and it's all done mm -hmm. but yeah the reason why people keep doing it is also because it works it works but it works in a way where it finally reaches a platform where everyone can see what it was truly like mm -hmm. and while it might be commercialized don't you think you know because it's been done so much and because it worked i don't think it works anymore People are are very immune to it. No, you know, definitely. Very immune. Right? Even you know yeah. the exhibition that we did. It was about foreign journalism, and you know how you wake up every day, you see a hundred people killed. You turn off the TV, you go drink coffee, and continue about your day. You don't care anymore. Shout and, out to uh, Alexis. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, and that you know, people start to become very immune to those things that they see every single day, and that's my only issue with it. No, there's definitely like a certain amount of horrible conditioning that we've got with the power of internet mm. and social media where, mm -hmm. you know, like when the refugee crisis started, well, dodgy, but like 2014 was when those big pictures went viral of the little kid, yeah, you know, on the beach yeah, um, and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's selective representation mm -hmm. and there's also a sense of conditioning to there's a lot of trauma and tragedy and there's a lot of art and you know photography to represent it but like mm. the things that get handpicked is often not led by us no the people that should represent those mm. cultures those problems those issues i do mm. think that there has been a movement or a change where we slowly are gaining that power mm -hmm. and we're slowly like putting the restraints down from like post-colonial yes whatever colonial restraints or however you want to call it um and i think that there is a certain amount of acceptance but there's a long way to go i, I, I agree there's a way long I'm, i've just about scratched the surface i remember i was oh, i was you know writing a note on my phone i think yesterday i don't know why um Because I always, you know, I uh, was watching the other podcasts and, you know, we talked about how art, you know, it's always been for the elite and this, this, that. Um, and I, I, I was thinking, I'm like, you know, art, the most, the majority of artists, they, they talk about a lot about tragedy, about trauma, you know, about emotions, about this and this and that. And and usually, you know, the people with so much trauma, with so much tragedy, with, with so much, you know, chaos and pain in their lives are are not the very privileged people. Um, and, and, you know, that, that for me, like, was a, a crazy thought because I'm like, okay, those people do art, but then it goes to the completely different type of audience, completely, completely different type of audience. So why is the elite controlling that why is the elite you know um not allowing the rest of of you know the public to be able to be engaged with these type of stories even though you know um of course i'm not saying you know the elite don't have trauma don't have tragedy at the end of the day everyone does <laughs> everyone does you know I'm, i'm trying you know to be a little bit <laughs> human here um i'm not being an asshole but But, you know, um, really, and, and that, like, blew my mind, you know, yesterday when I was thinking about it. And why, you know, like you said right now, that that narrative needs to, to change, you know, that really, like, the the key needs to, you know, the, the door needs to open completely. And it's about time. Yeah. I think, I think it's very interesting what you said about how, like, I think most of the most famous pieces of art that, you know, we've seen in the world come from individuals and people who are what at that time would be considered like peasants yeah. or like lower class yeah. people that you know didn't come from much and didn't really 
I don't know, had money or power. Yeah. And I I mean, I I never did art history, so I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a, just a sense of like, um, I, I don't know how to like verbalize it. I don't want to say there's a sense of like entitlement mm-hmm. because maybe entitlement's not the right word, but it's kind of just like a, if it's out there, I want it, it's mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know what that means, mm-hmm. but like, I'm sure there's a word for it. It's like a kid, you know, throwing a tantrum. Yeah. I want I, this, I want this, you know, I'm going to get it. And I often think that the way like the, I guess the rich become richer and the rich stay in power. Mm. They capitalize on things that they see that might change the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in some godforsaken century, (laughs) you know, some rich bloke probably was just like, actually, that might be like worth a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, in a few months, like years or decades time. And let's make this like an elite hobby Mm -hmm. because you can. (laughs) Um, not that I know much. Be but no, I feel like they, they used, you know, they, they, they used it also, you know, just to um, to make themselves feel like they are so much better, so much more educated than the rest. Yeah. Like, almost like you can't touch them. Yeah. So they're not only... Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about kind of like how, for example, even the royal family and, mm. you know, their attachment to art and stuff like that. I... I mean, in my head, I just think about the fact that loads of white people went around the world and looted, you know, other countries and then kind of like mm-hmm. took it back on them and it's like, ta-da, mm-hmm. type of stuff. So I don't really know much about it to, you know, be a pro. But I definitely think that it's sad that they've had a say for so long because what could have been, um, I don't know, like someone's own representation of their trauma and tragedy has now become like a sensationalized elite piece of Mm -hmm. work worth like millions Mm -hmm. and billions even and that's fine but I think that's the sad side of art is when things get commercialized Mm -hmm. um do you often find that if art gets commercialized you suddenly get put off it for sure hundred percent why million percent but why <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah why it's still art and it's mm-hmm. still beautiful and mm-hmm. it still has thought and it still represents maybe trauma or tragedy but why is it that when things get commercialized it's the same reason that we just talked about now right because everyone has access to it everyone can see it you know and but it's, it's we... the same as the, you know when you say something it's like uh it's very cliche but and everyone hates a cliche right because everyone can use it. Everyone but, ev- can... but isn't that the point of art for it to be accessible? Yes. So, yeah, but we... but ev- but think about it. Every single uh, commercialized art, it's really not the best thing you've ever seen in 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 the entire planet. Let, let's put it out there. And I'm not gonna name names right now. <laughs> I know? really want to. <laughs> no, you know, big names that that I look and it's if I say that name, everyone knows. I'm like, really, really this yeah i mean that's the power of trends and sensationalism and mm-hmm. kind of what why do you think i mean i i'd say it's double standards because we know we, we just spoke about how like it's important for art to be accessible yeah so that people understand the different degrees and standards of art mm-hmm. and what can actually be put out there mm-hmm. you know without limitation but then there's also like a sense of if you do too much of the same, then... Exactly. You know, but for me, it's not about doing too much of the same. For me, it's the value. It's the money mm-hmm. that I don't personally like. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that there's a... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm. Th- this is me, like, unemployed, looking for a job. <laughs> but do you but, think it's because we can't acquire it, right? There's so much of it in the world, right? I mean, Let's people, say there are 10 pieces of it in the world. But people like us can't acquire it because that's a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. And so... I think the part of money that bothers me is that it still remains intact for the elite and for the posh. Yeah, um, and that's what makes you hate it even more. Which makes me angry because I'm not elite or posh. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Um, but then it's also the, yeah, it's the money and the commercialized factor of, because there could be many other, you know, pieces of art that hold that same, like, medium or skill mm-hmm. or talent. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But because they don't have... See, that's also one of my biggest yeah, they, issues. Yeah, because they're not worth like 500, I don't know, a million pounds. Yeah. They're worthless. Mm. And I do think we're seeing a shift in that, you know, because people prefer buying local art. Mm. I think there's a big movement towards mm-hmm. 
I've seen it in Amsterdam. People love buying local art. Yeah. People don't want to buy rip-off Monet and mm. Van Gogh and all that jazz. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I think we live in like kind of like a double standard world. Mm. I think there's a world that kind of feeds back into the system of the art should be remain for the elite yeah. because, you know, it has so much value. And the places that we see in them are worth like places of millions mm -hmm. and billions. The craziest thing, I was watching a documentary the other day about Vincent... Um, But no, about Leonardo da Vinci, all right? So, you know, throughout the documentary, they put this part that, uh, what's his name? The Microsoft guy. Bill Gates? Yeah, thank you. Bill Gates <laughs> um, bought at an auction um, da Vinci's diary for 30 million, right? And da Vinci is like, Leonardo da Vinci is one of the greatest, you know, thinkers, one of, one of the most... Um, Uh, curious, you know, he had one of the most curious minds and he was very, very ahead of his time. And, you know, what, what I found so sad, you know, someone like that, you know, someone that we still talk about today, um, his, his diary, instead of it, you know, being put out for everyone to read, you know, for everyone to be as curious, for everyone to understand how you get there, it's bought by a, by a billionaire, Right, just Beep. just <laughs> for you. <Beep. laughs> It's bought by a billionaire, you know, just 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 for him, and he will never ever show it to anyone. And you know, like for him, I think in his mind, like you know, he got he he's the only one that can be in in the Vinci's head, or um. And I found that ridiculous. That that that, that first of all, that it was even up for sale. That's the craziest part. I mean, yeah, it's the same with like I I read today that Basquiat. Jean-Michel Basquiat's New York flat is up for <laughs> rent, uh -huh. $60,000. Mm -hmm. The fuck? Mm -hmm. You know, and where did Jean-Michel Basquiat come from? Mm -hmm. The not so, mm -hmm. you know, great mm -hmm. parts of what we consider ranks yeah. in a social society. Mm. I mean, yeah, I definitely think that... I mean, what what do you say about the elite? I mean, there's not much to say, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a... It's a control, like it's definitely a, a constant like grapple for power, mm -hmm. it's a con constant grapple for entitlement. Mm -hmm. It's a constant, I you know, thing of I'm the only one in the world that should have access to that because I'm. Which, which goes against everything the art is. That's what I mean. We live in like a contradictory kind of like. It's mm. really hard to say because I do think there's, if there wasn't all that art accessible in the world, I don't think I would appreciate it as much. Because mm -hmm. I'm coming from India, so for me to go to Amsterdam and see Van Gogh's work, that's fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. For me to come to London and see whoever else's work, mm -hmm. for me to go to Paris or go to New York, for me, like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. If that wasn't out there, then what's the point? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, how would I... Very true. So it needs to be out there and it, you know, it needs to have value for people. It needs to, to inspire, it needs to open yeah, minds. It needs to and I think, I often think that it, because it has value, it then has significance. Mm -hmm. Sadly, that's the world that we live in. And I don't think many things in life that can do that, that, that has that power in a human's mind like art does. No, a hundred percent. And I think there's something really special about it because like, whether you're rich or you're poor or you're a you know, whichever class you come from, or mm -hmm. even if you don't like, mm -hmm. I don't like to, you know, describe yourself in that type of way. I mean, art is kind of what we live for. Like, yeah, you can live for your job, you can live for money, you can dedicate your whole life to it. But what are the things that gives you comfort and pleasure and mm -hmm. pain and solace? Mm -hmm. It's art and it doesn't have to be visual art. Amen, amen, like, amen. I mean, I've probably ripped this off from like dead poets. <laughs> Thank you, Robin Williams. But like, but that's what it is. It's like, it's the way those kind of things make you feel, right? And I don't mean art just like paintings, mm -hmm. music, dance, film, literature, poetry, mm -hmm. whether you're an asshole like Donald Trump <laughs> or, you know, or whether you're a legend like don't know think of someone else <laughs> um you've obviously like there is still the same amount of appreciation for mm. save some kind of degree of appreciation or comfort or solace that you have found in yeah. one of these avenues of art and 
So as much as we don't get funded, mm-hmm. as much as we don't get enough credit, mm-hmm. and as much as we don't get enough recognition, you can't do without us. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't do without it. I don't care if you're fucking Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. and you've got... What's that name? No, I, I, But do you know what I mean? Like, <coughs> those are the same people that find solace in what is probably the most, you know, is the, the rich slash the most underrated. And this that's the crazy thing, you know. Um, you, you said, like, we live in this contradictory, whatever, market world. And, and the thing is that I opened my company last year. Shout out to IBA. Woo-hoo. IBA. So <laughs> since, since last year, the amount of people that I've tried, you know, to get investment for my company, the, the rejections, and it's, it's not because I didn't know how to present. It's not because I didn't know how to speak. It's because it's about art. And, you know, we talk about art being for the elite. You would think they want to invest in something like that. But no, think about it. My company, what is it? It's, it supports only emerging artists, right? We don't work with anyone, you know, that's established. Emerging artists. Um, it's for free to put your, your art out there, you know. It's, it's so the amount of revenue that I can make, it's not massive, you know, comparing to what, you know, someone can and make in return but it's changing something in the world you know that's that's the hope of it and then i i spoke to this one guy um he was he's very big in the art world um and he also you know worked with a with a similar company that um what i'm doing um so after you know i told him my name everything he told me you know maria the first thing every time someone wants to invest in something comes to me if they tell me it's art it's in the art market i tell them do not even think about it yeah, he's like, this business will never, ever make money. This business is it's just like completely destroyed, you know, in, in one second. And, and you know, think about individuals thinking about that. What about the government? The government will even think much worse of that. You know, if, if in their head there is no return of it, they will never invest in it. Right. But there's no return of it because it's not for everyone. It's not accessible. If you open it, you know, there might be a return for it. You know, there, you might make revenue out of it. Um, and you can be able to continue. But the way he told me, anytime someone comes to me and he says art, I tell them, do not even think of investing. And how sad is that? Well, first of all, whoever you are, <laughs> I've heard of NFTs, you're missing out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, but that's what I mean. I think when it's branded as free, yeah, it's often branded as cheap, cheap, not important mm-hmm. and not significant and... I also think that we don't live in a selfless society anymore where people made art for art. Mm-hmm. I think there's a very handful of us that make art because we just love art and that's our passion. Mm-hmm. I think that our generation also has a big say in the fact that they make art because they want to make money. Yeah. And money rules the world. And that's sadly the reality that we live in now. And yeah, I think rich people or elite people or people in power want to own art but they don't necessarily want to propagate the arts or Mm -hmm. fund the arts Mm -hmm. or improve the arts or Mm -hmm. make it better because what's it to what's it to them do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. people like us just want to put work out there because we that's our that's our love and passion Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily look for profit or revenue Mm -hmm. um some people do and that's also fine by the way because yeah you need to make a living but um, because of the way it's perceived, mm-hmm. I just feel like there is a significant amount of change that mm. needs to take place. And it's not us that can do it because, you know, we're changing the art world every day. We're seeing new things every day. We're seeing True. new things every week, every month True. from different parts of the world. Yeah. Thanks to the Internet and mm-hmm. social media and stuff like that. But, you know, in essence, I think it needs to come from the big boys. I think, you know, the, you know, because nowadays, if you think about it, the most expensive art pieces, right, are not the contemporary art pieces. The most expensive art pieces, you know, are, are um, the very, very, very old ones. Very, very old. Um, so do you think those art pieces are of that much value just because it's very culturally significant and very, very old, or um, because if you think about it, and during the time, you know, when they were made, they would have cost absolutely nothing because no one even knew the artist. You know, the artist didn't even know they were an artist. They were that good. Um, so, so 
Um, th that's why I also find, you know, fascinating. And w when it comes, you know, with culture, heritage and art together. Um, and do you think it's like, because we're appreciating culture more nowadays, right? Because of the pandemic, everyone is, everyone really wanted to go to the good old days. You know, every, everyone was stuck at home for this long, everyone, you know, um, and we want to go back to those good old days and which we, we remember our our heritage, our culture much more than we used to before because I think we always took it for granted. And I don't know, like, um, I was trying to think, you know, if, if that has, has a part, playing a part with, with, the, with the value of those pieces, um, with, the, with the, you know, the the price of those pieces just because they're very culturally significant or just you know it's it's a way you know just to make art expensive because there no one can put a value on it i mean i definitely think that anything that's old suddenly holds a lot of value because mm. our generation is somehow and the generations after us i mean we're i'm um, 24 you mm -hmm. how old are you 23 yeah, right <laughs> um but you know like <laughs> You know, the generations, like our generations and maybe the ones before, like the 90s kid, I would say, you know, we've kind of gotten back into using film cameras and like, have you seen the evaluation of a bloody like Kodak Portra 400 roll? I just paid 17 pounds for it the other mm -hmm. day. I don't ever want to do that ever again. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like we're going back to old techniques and mediums. Yeah. And, um, like skilled and i think that's something really special because there was a very big beauty or there is a very enticing beauty in that the way art was made mm -hmm. in that time and i do think it's important to i think okay i'm not quite sure if it's important to put like a significant value on it yeah. but i do think it's important to cherish it and um safeguard it mm -hmm. and protect it because mm -hmm. at that point there was no service to keep them safe yeah to archive them to, yeah you know to like restore them or whatever and we now have the technology and to do all the of that. knowledge that how important it is to do that mm -hmm. i definitely think it deserves its value because you can make that stuff anymore but it doesn't have the same significance as you yeah. said because yeah. you know it was made at a time where the values of art and the rules and the you know the realms of the art world were way different yeah i think there was something very special about it because a lot of it was just free spirit and free willed mm. a lot of it had nothing to do with you having three master's degree mm -hmm. or a lot of it had nothing to do with you coming from a rich family or a poor family like if you made good art and if it made its bucks you know it held value and unfortunately today we hold value with money right? mm -hmm. through money yeah and so i think it's right that that happens you know i don't think it's right that certain people have access to it more than the others mm -hmm. i think it makes sense if jean michel basquiat's beautiful painting is worth millions fair enough mm -hmm. the guy deserves it you know mm -hmm. but should it only be accessible like it can hold that value, but why should it only be sold to people who have that type of money? Mm -hmm. If it holds that value, why can't we just safeguard it for the world to see? Mm. So for the world to know that, yeah, that's probably what X, Y, Z millions, but sorry, you can't buy it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? You can't even see it. You can see it if you want. Mm. And you can know that costs, you know, like an X amount of million dollars. Mm -hmm. But why is it that only a certain group of people have access to buy it? That's not fair. Mm -hmm. You know, those are not the people that make art. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that unfortunately control art and can buy art, but they mm -hmm. don't make the art. Mm -hmm. You know, it's I. that's my take on it. So that's what I mean by it's It's hard to say, like, you can't hate the capitalist society <laughs> and be a part of it. You know, you kind of have to get with the times mm -hmm. and things. So I think it's important for us to find that balance that I... You know, I don't know if we'll get there because things are going at a very fast pace. Very. Um, and the way things are changing, and you know, the value of things like we've got NFTs now. Mm. I don't even, I don't understand it. I've, I have mm. no idea. You know, and yeah, I, it's it's a whole new world, and it's a world that it just depends on like how far like you're willing to explore. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that contemporary art, um. I guess in the moment it doesn't feel special because we're living through the era. Yeah. 
Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, of course. And I think and it's that always like when that. we'll be in like 20, 40 mm. or 50, God mm. forbid that we live that long, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're going to look back and be like, ooh, mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I feel like you have to, you know, like distance makes the heart grow fonder almost or like you got to be away for, from it to appreciate it type mm-hmm. of thing. I think mm-hmm. that's probably just the mindset that we have. Why mm-hmm. do we crave older times? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that same thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I bet five years down the line we're gonna be like, oh my god, COVID was sick. Mm-hmm. Working from home, mm-hmm. it was great. Furlough money. For for you know, for my last question, I want to ask you, what would your message be? You know, to to someone like me before, someone that did not appreciate culture, someone that did not appreciate um, art in culture, art representing culture in general. Someone not even not only did not appreciate did not understand the value of it most of all i i um what would you you know tell people that you know use uh, things that i used to think well things that you used to think i my younger self used to think as well mm-hmm. um i think that it's okay if you don't understand the value of art i think it's important to understand what you represent in art i think that if you if you're trying to you know change the way you are and what you think to match something that's already been done out in the world i think you're missing out i think you're wasting your time Mm -hmm. i'd say that your special power is your culture that's your special power your special that's just yours like no one has that and while there are 1.3 billion indian people in the world you know each person has a different story and i think that if you try to be like the other person I think you're wasting your time. And I think there's a very important quote that I remember from my graduation that Grayson Perry said, he's a chancellor of UAL. He said, a career in the arts is not a race, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I graduated a few months ago and I, I love I love that line so much. I don't know who it's by. And I think it's true. Like I'm 24 and um, I don't think I've quite like made it. You know, I still think I haven't quite tapped into the my culture and a way to represent it arts, I think I've just about scratched the surface mm-hmm. but I think that's fine I think the point is that if you you eventually get there I think it's a good place to be but I think you should be open to getting there mm-hmm. and I think you need to realize that your culture is what makes you different 100% and your culture and the way you represent it and the way you think about it um is what sets you apart from everyone mm. and so stop trying to mm. like put that aside um that's what i would say to my younger self Mm -hmm. if imagine if i started representing more brown people in my photography four years ago where would i be now Mm -hmm. i think about that a lot but then there's also there's no point in thinking and regret maybe i wasn't ready at that point Mm -hmm. no i think i'm a bit ready now yeah i'm not (laughs) a bit she is she is a bit (laughs) i'm not quite there she is you know like i'm i'm just about navigating, and also I think it's important, I think this is the last thing I would say, it's important to know that everyone's journey in the arts looks different, Mm -hmm. okay, someone who's from the UK has the time and the comfort and the effort to do freelance work for the rest of their life, but people like you and people like me who are on visas and, you know, who have to deal with bureaucratic shit, who don't come from well-off families, who come from families that don't exactly support you because you're in, you know, the arts your path is going to look very different and i think that it's really important to understand to not imitate Mm -hmm. someone else's path like my path does not look the same as maria's or vanessa or alexis and all the other people that have been here um and i think this year has been very important for me to understand that it's fine that i'm gonna get to 30 and put more meaningful stuff out there because when i'm 30 I'll be able to bloody live in this country freely. <laughs> so, you know, just stuff like that. I think those are the two most important things. Amen, amen, amen. Vishnavid has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> See? Oh my God, I can breathe. <laughs>